Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast, where leaders on a mission to make the world a better place come to talk and learn about how communication, language, and words can help increase awareness, revenue, and impact with less stress and more joy. I'm your host, Erica Mills Barnhart, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Let's dive right in. Welcome to or welcome back to the Communicate for Good podcast. I'm Erica Barnhart and I'm your host. Now, I want you to think of a time in the past 24 hours when you've spoken with others in a professional setting. Could be in person or virtually, whatever. Guess what? You did public speaking. I want you. Yes, we're going to. This is a three part series on how to become a confident public speaker. And out of the gate, I want you to hear loud and clear you already know how to do this. It may not feel like it, but you're already communicating. And public speaking is just one way that we share information, we connect, that we communicate right? And so the issue is that we lump public speaking like in this, we make it into this great big scary monolithic thing that we only do occasionally, right? Okay, big speeches, keynotes, whatever, those happen less frequently. However, you speak in public all the time. So it's simply not true that public speaking is something that leaders do occasionally. It is something that you do on the regular already. And so the approach I want to take is one from a place of strength. It is from a place of what you already know how to do. And then we're going to build on that. All right. I mean, it's interesting because we are doing this all the time. And yet death is the only thing people fear more than public speaking, which I truly find fascinating. In a minute, I'm going to share kind of how I got to be a confident public speaker. So I don't want to like, I'm not trying to dismiss the fear. I really want to invite you into imagining what it would feel like to be a confident public speaker. Like truly take a moment. What would that feel like? Knowing that anytime you need to speak in public, whether or not it's in a you know, small group setting or, you know, great big stage in front of thousands of people that you were like, I got this. How would that feel? And know that you can do it, right? Know that you can do it. So this is a big topic. So we're going to, we're going to tackle it in a three-part series. And each episode will go into one of the, you guessed it, for anyone who's followed Classic for a while, you know that I definitely embrace the rule of threes. Um, So there's generally three steps uh, when I'm breaking things down. So the three steps to becoming a confident public speaker are step one, prepare, step two, plan, and step three, practice. Now, you may be wondering, don't you want to plan and then prepare? Not when it comes to public speaking. Mm -mm. This is where so many people go wrong. I actually think this might be one of the reasons why so many folks are stuck in this like mental do loop, just overrun with ants, those automatic negative thoughts, right? The pet that says, oh, I could possibly 
why I couldn't No, right? Like public speaking, I'm not one of those people, right? I can't do it. You know, whatever your aunts say to you, I think possibly it's because we do it in sort of the expected order we plan. And then you try to prepare, but you're so freaked out that you actually can't do it. So when I say prepare, I mean, prepare your mind. Okay, we need to vanquish those limiting beliefs and get you unstuck from those, those thought patterns. They're very unhelpful. There might be occasions when ants are helpful. If you know of any, let me know. I have not experienced that firsthand, the mental ants or the actual physical ants. Like they must serve a purpose. I just, I'm unclear on what it is. So just let me know if you know. We need to get rid of them for you. Okay, so that's what we're going to start with preparing. Next episode, I'm going to talk about planning. We're going to get more concrete. And then we're going to talk about practicing, which my version of practicing might be a little different from what you're expecting or from what most coaches uh, will recommend. But I want to share it with you because it turns out it's really effective. Uh, It will make you more confident and more successful. Okay. So pretty reliably, anytime I speak in front of a group, big or small, someone comes up. And they and they're sort of like a they rarely make eye contact with me as I'm thinking about this and they ask this question. They might make eye contact, but then they kind of look away. And their question is some version of like, how did you become so comfortable in front of crowds? Like in front of people, like how do you just walk up there and do that thing and look so calm and confident? And you know, my quick, somewhat glib answer is, you know. Generally, something like, I've been doing this a long time. I know whatever the content is that I'm presenting, I know my content and I know cold. Um, and I will offer, because this is true, and we'll get to this. I do prepare enough that I don't have to think about what's coming out of my mouth. Right? And what this enables me to do is read the craft. So much easier to do when you're in person, by the way, than virtually, but there are ways to do it virtually too. Right. So it is preparation is key, but also in practicing is key, um, all three parts. Important, but I want to I want to give you the longer version, which is kind of the backstory. Um, I might have shared it on this podcast before. I'm not sure. So I have been in front of crowds my whole life because my mom did community theater, and as a result, I got involved at a young age in theater. And I was, you know, kind of often in some sort of theatrical production. I did quite fancy musical theater for a stretch. But kind of any theater I was in for, then I, you know, I was in band and I played oboe. So you're like right up front. So I did have to learn how to become comfortable, right? And the way that I did this is I experienced a number of very uncomfortable situations. Now, I am not sharing, I'm going to share with you the single defining most uncomfortable thing that I had to live through in front of other people. It happened in high school. Okay, so we're going to go into the way back way back when time machine. And I don't want you to have to have this one. I'm hoping as you'll hear it and you can like live vicariously through it a little bit and then be like, oh, wow, is that going to happen? And you could come out the other side. Eric could come out the other side. I can't imagine a scenario for me as a leader in this, you know, day and age, you know, where you're at in your career, probably that that something like this is going to happen. All right. And so what I'm playing with here is this idea that the fear is real. I honor that you may be really worried and nervous and fearful about speaking in front of people, but I invite you to wonder, 
So if the fear is real, but the danger may not be, right? And our brains conflate, right? That goes right back to the tender. It's like, there's a tiger, there is danger, 100%, right? Like those two things have been real and our brains haven't caught up with this idea that sometimes there's fear with no danger. And I really feel like that's true for public speaking. Okay, so venture back with me in time. It is 1989 and um, I'm in a play. And I actually forget what play it was, but it was like kind of old timey. So there was, you know, we were in like long dresses. This this becomes important to the story because, and it's a, it's a musical, okay? And so the director thinks it's a super spiffy idea. If like at some point there, I think there were like four or five of us young women and we were going to do a cartwheel. We're in long dresses, people. Um, and magically, it's like, same number of guys are going to catch not only our legs, but the skirts. Just right. So there was some like, how is that going to work out? Like Lene's like, it's going to be fine. And we rehearsed it a bunch of times and it was fine. When it did not go well, was actually during a performance. Rehearsal was fine. Um, but during the performance, my guy uh, did not manage to capture, capture my legs. So went on that front, but not my skirt which ended up over my head and I had on like tights, but still they weren't dark tights, right? And they weren't thick tights. They were like nylons, right? And so this is taking place in front of hundreds of people, many of whom I go to school with, many of their parents are there, many people that I know and I know I'm going to see. So let's just pause here for a minute. I can still like kind of visualize that like moment where I'm upside down thinking, oh my God. And, you know, we keep going because that's what you do. Like one of the gifts of doing theater is you just kind of have to keep the show must go on. There's a reason why that became a thing. And so that was one of those moments. And you know, what was just a gift is a number of people kind of tried to make it a big deal and anyone who was a friend or whatever was just like, yeah, we're just not gonna, we're not gonna go there. And so I was spared what could have been. I mean, imagine that happening in this day and age with social media. Oh, right. But we didn't have that back then. Um, now it's a gift on many fronts. Once that happens, my friends, uh, you know, what's gonna happen to me now? What I'll walk on stage and forget what I'm gonna say. Okay, right? This happens too. And guess what? If that happens to you, let me just give you a tip up front. Say it, name it. Because almost everyone in that crowd or audience is like, oh my God, that's what I'm afraid of. And now you've given them, you've modeled how to handle that. And you've actually done one of the most important things in public speaking, which is create connection. You just literally say, I'm nervous. Shoot. I had some things I want to say. Give me a minute. I need to like reference my notes. Okay. Or whatever it's going to be for you. Just say it. You're going to get some chuckles. You're going to get some like, okay, okay. You're going to get some grace and you're going to be able to come right back as opposed to acting like it's not happening. That is way harder. And yet it's what we do frequently. All right. So that's, and really I could bore you for a long time with like things that happened, you know, like buttons popping and lots of wardrobe malfunctions, I will say. Um, and once those things happen, they happen long enough ago. And then, you know, I've had a lot of, a lot of opportunity <laughs> to come up the other side. 
Now, am I attentive to what I am wearing? Do I like pressure tests when I'm going to be in front of people? Yes. Yes, I do. And I encourage you to as well um, for the aforementioned reasons. Okay. Now, again, I don't want you. <laughs> I don't want you to actually have have a, a sort of very, I would say it was terrible, but it wasn't good experience, right? Although I don't want that for you. There's no although. Uh, you don't need to go there. What I want you to take away is probably your worst case scenario is not going to happen. And if it does, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. All right. So let's break this down. The deal here, here it is. If you're a leader, you're already speaking in public, right? I talked about this right in the opening. It's a rare leader who leads without interacting with other humans in this day and age. You may be saying, but Erica, it's different when I have to stand up in front of others versus having a one-on-one or a team meeting, okay? Again, we do this kind of weird mental trickery around this thing that we call public speaking because my question to you is, are those things really that different? How are they different? From a preparation perspective, sure, you know, there are a few, but from a planning perspective, there are some nuances, right? And the stakes may be higher if you're presenting to your leadership team or board of directors, okay? You know what that means? You practice more. And so it just means you practice more. But the majority of the mechanics are identical. And so again, I'm going to say it, you have these skills. Now we can always level up. Even people who do public speaking all the time, like myself, I'm always trying to improve, right? I always want the experience to be as good as it can be. So I'm not saying like you get to a place and you're like, high five, tapping out. I am saying you have skills and strengths and you can build on them and get to that place of confidence. I would wager more quickly than you believe that you can, okay? So first, let's just, let's 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 talk a bit more about where you may be specifically stuck when it comes to public speaking. Okay, we're going to do a little visualization. So visualize with me, if you will, for a minute, okay? I'm going to offer eight different scenarios. They're quick, don't worry. Uh, and I want you to raise your hand either. You can actually raise your hand or just like in your mind, be like, hey, hey that's me. And when, when I want you to raise your hand is when you feel butterflies fluttering about in your stomach when you hear me talk about one of these scenarios, okay? And likely it'll happen multiple times. Maybe not, but likely it will. Okay, so here are the eight options. One-on-one with a colleague with whom you are peers. One-on-one with your supervisor, skip supervisor, boss, or anyone with positional authority. Team meeting with colleagues, no presenting. Just kind of going around and giving updates. Uh, meeting when you are presenting informally. Meeting when you are presenting formally. Number six, speaking in front of a small crowd of folks outside of your organization who you don't know. Number seven, speaking in front of a large crowd, more than 100, okay, uh, but less than 1,000, outside your organization. And number eight, you're on a huge stage speaking in front of thousands of people. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. When did the flutter eyes make their way into your stomach? 
interestingly, right, I've been talking about what I would refer to as the sort of classic example of public speaking, which is you're on some sort of big stage of sorts, you're in front of people, whether or not there's a stage, and, and right, it's you, okay, all eyes are on you. But again, in fact, you're doing, you're speaking publicly all the time. And also, having worked with enough leaders, I could tell you that for some folks, that's fine. Because actually, one of the advantages of that is if it's big enough, you actually can't see the people because the lights are dim because of the whole lighting thing. You know, I have some clients that are like, I'm good with that. Do we need to plan and and practice? 100%, of course, because you want to, to deliver an amazing experience. And they're really much more concerned about like that smaller setting. And like I've said, they're like, ooh, that 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 informal presentation, like I'm good at what I refer to as stand and deliver. But if it's informal, I kind of don't know how to do that, right? Okay, so where did it come up for you? It's just endlessly fascinating. I was going to go off on something else, but no, we're not going to do that. Now, now I want you to notice, so you notice the flutter buys. Now I want you to notice where did you not feel that? Where did you not feel that? So I'm going to reread these really quickly, okay? Because what I want to invite you to do is build on your strengths. So if you didn't have any flutterbys, this is something that you're already confident with, right? And so what we would do is take those skills and build on them, okay? Number one, one-on-one with a colleague with whom you're peers. Number two, one-on-one with a supervisor, skip supervisor, boss, or anyone with positional authority. Number three, team meeting with colleagues, no presenting. Number four, meeting when you are presenting informally. Number five, meeting when you are presenting formally. Six, speaking in front of a small crowd of folks outside your organization. Number seven, speaking in front of a large crowd, more than 100 people, again, outside of your organization. Eight, your huge stage in front of thousands of people, adoring throngs of adoring fans, okay? Where were you like, no, I got this. Really note that. Hey, really note that. And then figure out what is it about that that makes me feel confident? Is it because that's like where I've done the most speaking in my career? You know, and so I've like built up that skill set or was it just a natural thing that's always, you know, worked for you? Definitely get clear on that. Write it down. Okay, write it down. I'm going to offer you, we, we t- in the last episode, I, I did a, a riff on this, which is sort of pairing two words, right? So anytime we can use singular words to create big change, we want to do that. We want to harness the power of words to create the results we want and need. So what is a word that channels the energy you want to have around public speaking? So at the opening of this, I asked you to think of a scenario in the past 24 hours. I want you to think about, pause for a minute, what's coming up? What's a scenario that you know is like on your calendar that's coming up that you're that that you you would deem like that is a speaking in public uh, opportunity that uh, makes me a little nervous. All right, so what is that, and what's the energy that you want to bring to it? Right. So remember, words are matter. So we want to harness the energy of words that will move you from where you are today to where you want to be the next time you speak. Again, we're preparing your mind. We're preparing your mind. It's where we have to start. So this, for this, I'm going to recommend that you pick two words, one adjective and another a noun. Why? 
because the combination is going to capture the feeling you want to offer to yourself, right? To yourself first, because in, in bringing that forward in yourself, you're going to be able to offer it to the situation, to your audience, to whatever the case may be. That's your adjective. And then who you want to be, right? Who you want to be when you're in that scenario, okay? That's a noun. That's the noun, who you want to be. So here's some options, right? Because we can only stay in theory for so long. Um, Here's some options of words. We're going to start with the adjectives and then I'll move to nouns. It's just meant as inspiration. It is entirely not an exhaustive list. There are eight of each. I don't know why I landed on eight. Actually, three was just clearly not enough. Um, <laughs> not enough, even though I do love the rule of threes, but it's not enough. So even with eight, that's clearly not an exhaustive list. So just listen, see if anything lands, and then really do this on your own for you so it's, so it's authentic to you. For the adjectives, any, any of these eight may speak to you. Confident, radiant, joyful, funny, poised captivating, knowledgeable, approachable. Maybe one of those speaks to you, maybe it doesn't. Now you can pair with a noun. Again, a gajillion. A noun might be expert, leader, ally, advocate, professional, activator, executive, or badass, which by the way, I ended with badass because it could be used as both an adjective and a noun, I do believe. Here are a few examples of pairings from those lists, all right? Feel the energy. Feel the energy of each of these pairings, right? Like visualize what this would be like. Approachable executive, poised leader, captivating activator, knowledgeable ally, radiant badass. Definitely different energy, all right? So one more pass just to really underscore the point. You know, this is like bringing the energy forward. So you have to be able to feel it. And so I want to do more like similar. I want to control one variable, as we might say, which is I'm just going to use the noun leader, but notice how it will feel different with different adjectives. Poised leader, captivating leader, knowledgeable leader. One isn't better than the other. They just are different. And I tried to keep my tone of voice really the same for all three of those on purpose. Um, again, to neutralize the variables. Poised leader, captivating leader, knowledgeable leader. None of those may speak to you, by the way. I just want you to like, get the hang of preparing your mind comes down to rewriting your beliefs. It is about eradicating those automatic negative thoughts as ads that keep you from becoming the confident public speaker that you absolutely can be. So those two words connect you they connect how you think of yourself today as a public speaker to who you want to be in the future. Right? Who you want to be in the future. Now, I've given hundreds, possibly thousands. If we include all the lectures that I've given while teaching at the University of Washington over the years, right? Hundreds, thousands of speeches, talks, keynotes, lectures, whatever they may be, right? Speaking in public moments. And I use this approach all the time. I use it still to this day. I use it. It's become such a habit for me that sometimes I don't even notice truly that I'm doing it. Um, however, I recently have been like, I need to like bring more intentionality to it. So I've really been using this and I'm here to tell you it just works. 
right? At least for me, for many of my clients, it just, it works, right? So give it a go. I know some of you, some of my like more logical listeners are going to be like, this makes me profoundly uncomfortable. I get that. I get that. I honor that. Okay. Um, but nobody needs to know. Okay. Nobody needs to know that you're giving this a go. This is just for you work right now. Right. So let me reiterate two, two parts. So this is part one. This is about preparing your mind, preparing your mind to become a confident public speaker. Your fun work, because homework doesn't count as one. Your fun work, number one, go back and listen to the list of public speaking scenarios. Which one's got the butterflies flying for you and why? And remember, the fear is real. The danger likely is not, right? And then 1A, 1B, which of those you're like, I got that high five name. Okay, what are the skills and strengths there? Now, because you want to like, and, and this might be a little twist on this, skills and strengths. How do you feel in those moments when you are in public, confidently communicating? How do you feel? It really make this true for you. What is your, and then what is going to be your two-word combo that is going to help you move from who you are today to who you want to be as a public speaker in those moments, in those scenarios, in those situations where you're not yet there yet. You can get there so much more quickly than you believe you can. And I can say this on good authority because I've watched so many people get there much faster than they thought it was possible. And go back to that, like, how's that going to feel? Like, it's pretty cool. It is really cool to just never have to worry. But I will tell you, like my, if you were curious, like I do have a scenario where um, there's other humans and I have to talk, you know, if I have to say something and it happened earlier, it happened earlier today. In fact, I was like, oh, this is ironic because I knew I was going to be recording these. I went to a, like, I love this class. Definitely makes me feel middle-aged and I love it. It's like a blend of Tai Chi and Pilates and yoga. Very Zen. And there was a small group of us today. And so the instructor was like, we're a small group. Why don't we go around, say our name and share one yoga pose that you really like? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Now I have to think of a yoga pose, right? So I don't love those scenarios. And I literally in that moment was like, okay, you can do, you got this, right? For anyone who's curious, I decided, I said, there's so many, but really, I do love crow pose. I don't know, I'm a fan. I always have been, which is a little weird, but wait, anyone want to share their their favorites? Um, I'm always all ears with that stuff. It happens. All of us have moments. All of us have situations where we feel more to less confident and less to more confident. So this is just gaining that communication fluency in a different context. Next episode, we're going to dive in to planning, okay? Prepare your mind. Prepare your mind for that, okay? And then we'll move into part three, practicing. Like I said, the way I approach practicing may be a little unconventional. Really, would you expect anything less? There are some traditional elements to it. Are you literally going to run through your speech? Probably. Um, probably, but not always. So we will get there in part three. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being open to going someplace that might be kind of uncomfortable. Thank you for that because our leaders, like you're on a mission to make the world a better place. And we need all of you with all of the skills, all of the confidence, all of the clarity uh, that you want and that you deserve. 
With that, do good, be well, and I can't wait to see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Communicate for Good podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would right here, right now, go rate and review the podcast. Your review will help even more purpose-driven leaders, teams, and organizations learn how to use words to change the world. To find more ways that communication can help you increase awareness, revenue, and impact, head on over to www.claxon.communicationnos.com.